welcome back to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from Kearney Hill Golf Link's 17th Fairway, trying to stick one close onto the 16th green. And this is Season 3, Episode 7. Today's episode presents the first half of my conversation with Chris Boysell, who is the head PGA professional here at Kearney Hill Golf Links. I've known Chris for probably the better part of a decade, maybe more, I'm not sure. He's one of those golf pros blessed with a natural enthusiasm for the game and the gift of gab to go with it. He and I could literally sit down and talk golf all day long. And we almost did, which is why I'm breaking our conversation down into a couple of different podcast episodes. What spurred me to record this particular conversation is the recent Diabolical Par 3 tournament that he put together at Kearney Hill. The course is a 1989 Pete and PB Dye designed course, so the tournament was a play on words that Chris took full advantage of with his tee and pin locations on the day. The course was built specifically to host the old Bank One Classic on the PGA Senior Tour. It's a Lexington City-owned course run and operated by the city's Parks and Rec Department. And despite all of that, it still has a long history of hosting championship tournaments, which we eventually discuss. It was a thoroughly fun, engaging conversation with this first half making the case for silly season golf, talking about how to structure a men's league in the modern era, and what it was like to host the PGA Junior Boys National Championship in 2021 at Kearney Hill. Quick reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com, just one G in there. Remember that you're invited to interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, as well as on Instagram. You know, feedback is always appreciated. I know there are dozens of you out there listening, bordering on hundreds, and you're all super quiet about it, which adds a new meaning to the great silent majority. Finally, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored by me, only me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling their homes, and also work with investors and businesses on their commercial property needs here in Central Kentucky. You can find all of my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. If you're thinking about investing in real estate, want to know what a realtor can do to help you get started, reach out to me and we can start a conversation. And with that, here's my friend, Chris Boysell. three diabolical this was the second run at it right you had one scheduled for did you have one scheduled for 2020 no i did not i had actually been planning it for quite some time okay um I kind of had been messing out with, with the layouts I would possibly want to do, and I kind of wanted to do it this year, but it was just really hard to find it, find a spot on the calendar for it. Right. And then I finally, about six weeks ago, went, "I'm, do, we're doing this. Yeah. I don't want to wait till next year. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to wait till next year to do it. I want to go ahead and get it going. So that's why I was like, okay, we don't have anything this date. We're gonna do it. And went ahead and went with it. And it was a nice play on the words because those pin positions were absolutely horrid, just brutal. One of the things I went back and counted, and one of the things I was impressed with, you could only see the fabric of the flag on like 10 or 12 holes. And some of them you couldn't even see. Like yep. if the because of the way the wind was, then what side of the tee box you're on was completely blind. Um, 
So is that part of it that you had been cooking up? Like, how did that evolve it, in your... It is. So what my thought was, was I wanted to make it difficult, but not like you see where those superintendents revenge things, where they're on the sides of slopes mm-hmm. and where it's almost like silly golf or that. I wanted to still be in a flat, you know, in a semi-flat spot, but I just wanted to make it difficult, hard to see. Um, we actually spent quite a bit of time, uh, myself and a couple of my assistants, on, we would actually go out there with a with another flagpole, and I, he would stand where the tee box was going to be, and I'd move it just slightly so you could, so for instance, where you're going to hold one green, if you notice that, you could see about six inches at the top of the flag. Right. Well, that was purposeful. Yeah. I was trying to, on, on some of them that we could, at least catch a glimpse. Yeah. If not completely blind, but that was a big part of it because, again, even at 100, I guess that hole's probably 135 yards or whatever it was, um, you know, not being able to see where the ball's going is a big thing messes with your mind. Yes, absolutely. You know, and that was the, you stuck them in places where, you know, kind of in the cleavage between two hills. Yes. 14 to 13 green, I thought was perfect because you had that, now you're in that, that cross traffic, so you had, please God, don't let me hit those fools up on 10 <laughs> exactly. green, which is an additional <laughs> level of difficulty, but you could see, you know, you just had to stand perfectly right to be able to, to see it. Um, but we actually spent a lot of time. Like, I don't think people realize how much time we spent on. We actually had two different layouts as well. So really? the original layout that I had done about two or three weeks ago, one of my assistants said, um, what happens if it's car path only? And I went, oh, <laughs> that's a very, fall. very good mm-hmm. point. And so we'd even already planned on, we, we, we hadn't planned on a non-car path only layout and a car path only layout. There were still about five or six holes that were the same and did not change, but the rest of them did change. And again, what ended up happening on Saturday, we had a lot of rain leading right. up to it and had, lane re- we had a delay. So we uh, we went with the, we knew a couple days out that it was going to be car path only, so we went with the second layout. But we spent a lot of time. There was different hole locations for each one. We had two pin sheets. Oh, wow. We had different yardages for each one. We had made two sets of signs. We had we had two sets of directions. So when we do it next year, you're saying there, it will be a new golf course? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's, that's what... That's part of the brilliance of Kearney Hill. You know, this kind of mostly treeless core course is that you, I stand on tee boxes all the time and daydream is like, oh, playing from from eight. Now, eventually, and it may be, there might not be enough golf course for it. You might have to make it a, a nine hole, but playing cross country golf kind yes. of beyond threes, like from eight tee to up the hill, what would that be? 14 green. Yes. You know, where your second shot, you got to carry the pot or first shot if you're really, you know. Trying to go for it. So, I mean, that's a, I love that kind of stuff. Yes. So. I'm huge on that stuff. I think my goal whenever I do a tournament is I don't want it to feel like if you just booked a tea time and came out here. I want everything to be different from the whole experience, the way it's treated, from the way the course is set up, everything I want it to feel like, not if you just came and booked a tea time on a Saturday Kearney. Obviously, we want that to be a good experience as well, but right. we want it to be a different experience, especially for the people that play here all the time. And then the nice thing you did say about the way this golf course was designed is so with, with the lack of trees, it gives you a lot more options mm-hmm. on things. And I do have plans on doing a cross-country like that, like you're talking about in the future, um, you know, other neat little things like that you, you can do here that some of our other city golf courses are so tree-lined, it makes it very difficult to be able to do that. Yeah, you couldn't do this at Picadome. That's no. golf in a hallway, much like the low country. Yeah. Um, why, in your opinion... Why are we so addicted to the rounds where we've got to post a score? Why can't we have more silly season stuff in the off season or in the at the end or at the beginning of the season? 
I think they're actually, this is where I've kind of, I would say, bucked the trend generally in the industry is I feel like I do a better job of what maybe a lot of other golfers that people don't pay attention to are actually looking for. Uh, I don't say that to be disrespectful, but for a lot of head golf professionals, general managers are very good players. They've been, they played high level of competitive golf their entire life. And so they think that's how golf should be. So every tournament they do is kind of geared toward that and stuff like that, where I'll have more fun with other things because I actually think there's actually quite a bit of players that don't want to do that and don't mind to do that. Right. Beyond uh, just a, a four person hit and giggle scramble. That's exactly. going to take six hours. Exactly. And that's why I think that this did so well early. I mean, we literally, I mean, I said five weeks beforehand, I'm like, we're going to do this. And we, we stopped, we uh, booked, uh, we stopped registration a week out and we still sold out before that happened. So I think actually there is a desire for more of this kind of stuff. When I was at my previous facilities that I was at, that's why I think they did so well. It's because there's so many like stroke play, count your own stroke, play from the tee, play the ball down, tournaments out there that it becomes monotonous to a lot of people. And actually I think that's a smaller, that's a small group of people that actually do want to do that. So all the other people that would like to play in these kind of things get left out. And there's not stuff for them to do. So when stuff like this does come up, they jump at the opportunity. And one of the most interesting things, you know, I looked at the T-sheet when you published it a couple days before, and I was like, boy, I hope there's a net division because the really good players in town were out here playing this yes, event. They did. You had some Kentucky Am competitors, Kentucky Open competitors, guys that have won the Mid-Am. I yes. mean, this was the score. The score range was what negative, what six or seven under won it, and you had somebody post high, you know, plus teens. fourteen, right, with a double bogey max. <laughs> yeah, so, true. so, and that's what my goal honestly was is I was glad those guys played. I'm very happy playing. I want to play them playing everything. But I didn't make the golf course also so hard that they were like, man, that was so cool that only we had a fun time playing it. Right. My honestly goal, and I told everybody this, was there's probably going to be 10% at the bottom that were like, yeah, maybe this was harder than our skill level. I still wanted them to play, but maybe they wouldn't. But then, and even the top 10% would be like, man, that's maybe a little easier than I thought it was going to be. But everybody in the middle, the 80%. Yeah, and it like was it. it was a par three term. I mean, yes. you had wedges and short irons in your hand most of the day. Yeah, so. exactly. And the greens were very soft and receptive. So obviously, the golf course would have probably played a little different True. had not. Because I watched where a couple of balls hit where people were hitting, and I was like, "Yeah, that didn't do that four <laughs> days ago." <laughs> That's true, but you know, I I just loved it as. Anything non-traditional. I, I get so – I don't watch a lot of pro golf anymore because yeah. it's that. You know, I, I'm hyper-competitive. You know that. Yes. I play in the men's yes. leagues. Love it. I love that. Tee it up, play by the rules. Everybody's the same. There's a, a big place for that. But, my God, you can get fatigued on that. Mm-hmm. As a player, you get fatigued on it. As a viewer, I don't know where the, the PGA Tour is this week, and I don't really – you'd have to bribe me to make me care. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why – Hey, do you watch a lot of pro golf? I don't either. That's okay. for the same probably exact reason. Um, maybe some family commitments is why maybe I watch a little bit less mm-hmm. than I used to. But there's not no, nothing that drives me yeah. to except for the ma- you know majors, majors and, and things like that. Wake me up when they go to Kapalua because yes. that's I want in the winter. That's my okay. I want to go. I want mm-hmm. that visual. But exactly. I have fond memories of the skins game of the you know the hit and giggle silly mm-hmm. season stuff, the mixed team events. You know, I love that as a player, that kind of stuff is available. I wish, you know, selfishly that there was a a product I could consume, you know, the high level guys doing that. It's just 
it's my own person one of my own personal frustrations. One of my favorite events has always been the match play. Yeah. What you know, anything that's different. I've watched this started watching the team event. Mm-hmm. Anything that's just different, you know, it's they play so much. Yeah. Other sports are different because I mean I heard him talking about basketball. They haven't done this in seven months. Well the reason we don't care that it needs to be crazy different in basketball is they only play a certain amount of months. Golf doesn't stop on the professional circuit, so it becomes old. Yeah. After twenty something plus consecutive years of watching eighteen hole stroke play. Uh, and with the with kind of the the top 125 keeping the card system, it's the same guys mm-hmm. every year. You know, you can it, once somebody gets their card, unless they get hurt, if they're having a decent year, they're going to be there for four or five years. So you're going to see the same names over and over. You know, it's interesting. I think there's within the boutique kind of online golf community that the the minor tours have gotten such a, a following kind of an explosion because it's that's where the stories are yes there's no good there's very few good stories on the the pga tour those guys they print money and they do and they siphon off some for charity they do a lot of good but man it'd be nice to see them have fun more than once every two years in a Ryder cup or a, a president yeah like that that is literally my all-time favorite events the Ryder cup because it's just so different and they're just so you know the team competition mm-hmm. and it's just so much better than you know worried about at the hundredth pl- I don't know. I remember I looked not too long ago. I think it was something in the close to 80 to 100 players on the money list made a million dollars. Yeah. So they're all millionaires. Yeah. Millionaires in a year. In a year. In a year. <laughs> not net worth. So do I care that at the end of the year, this FedEx Cup, and they offered an additional $5 million for fourth place or whatever it is. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't drive me as a consumer to want to watch it. Right. I'm sure they want to win it selfishly, and I'm sure they would want to win it if it was a big trophy or something, just so they could have that one-upsmanship on the other millionaires in the locker room with them. But, yeah, the you keep adding zeros to it, and that, that just doesn't do it for me. Talk to me. We've mentioned it a little bit. With a a full season, were you happy with your baby, which was the kind of the play golf Lexington League? You, know, you and the other pros in town, it used to be four separate clubs, maybe yep. five. I don't know if Johnny had yep. a, a separate Meadowbrook club. Yep. Um, but you last year, you combined in 2020, for what it was, combined them into one omnibus yes. league. But we did kind of a sprint to the finish last year because of restrictions and whatnot. Having gone through that, a, a full cycle with Justin running and yes. events. Tell me your impressions, because I loved it. I wish I think I liked the sprint to the finish better. It was yeah. a long grind, but tell me kind of how that evolved and and where it is. So, well, if you want to go all the way back, so how that kind of evolved is actually was it 2019 that Tiger won the Tour Championship when he came big big comeback? I think so. It was literally that weekend. Again, I was watching because of Tiger. Mm-hmm. And a couple of us kind of were texting back and forth, and they were like, why don't we have something like this to end our seasons? And I'd already been talking about since I got here, because I've only been with the city now for three and a half years. I'd always kind of was curious why there was a separate men's associations, and when you went through and looked at the rosters of them, there were 80% of them were all the same people. And if we're one cohesive unit, why are we competing with ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a real scheduling nightmare for Tate's Creek and Picadome and Lakeside and here to go, okay, what day are you doing? What day are you doing? So we kind of came up with the idea of let's make it one. We're not trying to disband it, which that was the, it, it could be a people don't like change. We had a lot of negative feedback when we I, first, I did. was one of them. I didn't want to be forced to go play Tate's Creek. Exactly. Um, and <laughs> we had a lot of that. And our goal honestly was, and this is what I kept telling people was we're just kind of rebranding 
it and changing it. We still want to do a lot of the very similar things, but also add some new additions and things that were for the benefit of, you know, the golfers themselves. And then the one was, you know, which you won last year was the free year of golf. And, um, I, th- I think it's gone very well. I think we have, we've increased participation in these events. How were the numbers? Kind of where the start from 19, kind of when it was separate men's clubs to people you had filling out tournaments. So a, a typical event that we'd have here at Kearney, for instance, a men's association event would have tops 40 people, maybe 50 sometimes on some random weekends or something like that. On average, in a lot of the tour events, we're having 60 to 70, 80. Okay. So it's already increased quite a bit, even just from that. The best thing you guys did was to flight it. Yes. We take away the kind of take away the sandbagger incentive to come in and win the net and, and you know, the guys that fight for pro shop credit. I, I love that. But what do you have, five or six divisions? We, I think we originally started off with six. And we ended up having a division that basically the top, we thought we'd get some higher handicaps. like, hey, come on, come play. Mm-hmm. And the 20 plus kind of fell apart. Okay. Um, but that was kind of a collaboration of everybody. And what I ended up doing at the time, this is one of the initial stages of it. We, we looked through, we went through, and I'm big on, sometimes it's not a reason to reinvent the wheel. Right. Right. So I went and did a lot of research on how a lot of other amateur tours, a lot of leagues did their stuff. And I found that the old, now I guess defunct or rebranded Golf Channel Amateur Tour had done a very, very similar set up. And then we, one of the complaints we'd already heard from the Men's Association events was the they get somebody would get netted to death, yeah, and they'd have no chance if you're a better player to play against somebody who has a ten and somehow shoots seventy three. Mm-hmm. And you, you had know. with a small field, you can't have three guys in every flight. You had no. to have, you know, I remember those Picadome events. It was basically two flights, and yes. that was it. And yeah, you, you, somebody has a day, and they get netted to death. And you, and exactly, and so we felt like this was the best way. Because here's the thing: I always tell people, and we, we we've tweaked over the last two and a ha- year and a half. Mm-hmm. We're tweaking again for next year. Unfortunately, the 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 cold hard truth is, when you handicap something, there is no perfect system. Right. It, it, we are trying to make it as fair and as equal as to anyone as we can. But if if I was to tell you that I couldn't find loopholes in every single system we would try, I would be lying to you. Sure. There's always going to be somebody who's going to have a slight advantage, somebody who's maybe a slight disadvantage. We try to work those things out again. Those are things we constantly kind of keep working on. And we had some situations like that actually in the better flight, um, the top flight this year. Oh, really? At the end of the year that we're talking about how to make sure that more fair and equitable the next year. Gotcha. You know, if I had, if I, if I got to be czar, I would, I don't mind the tour championship. There's a fun novelty in that. I think the, I would almost treat the regular season like the back of your handicap card, the, t- the average of your top eight, as mm-hmm. opposed to letting guys just accumulate. If you show up, if you don't have anything to do on Saturday mornings and you show up every week, then you've got a huge point lead over somebody like me that, you know, I've got occasional soccer games and, yes. and thing. I can't play every week. 
that it was that it's a benefit that you could drop in and kind of withdraw. You didn't have to be there yes. every single week. You guys set that up well. But that's my own selfish thing. I'm, I'm sure no, you get I, some pushback on no, that. No, I thousand percent agree. And believe it or not, we've had a lot of heavy discussion on that. And that's one of the things we've also talked about next year. So here's the balance that we, we were trying to. Uh, okay. At the end of the day, we do want as many people to play as we can. Right. Well, you, so, you have an incentive to fill out your golf course. Exactly. T-sheet. It's a T-sheet. So, so we have that where we want to have as much participation as possible. But we also want to be fair. To, I mean, I put myself in that situation. If I wasn't working in golf, I had two young kids. You know, I understand I wouldn't be able to play. So I'm, I would be at more of a disadvantage than someone who did. You know, and then, which is actually kind of the situation we ran into. It's like, but it is... We don't know. This is the, the debate. Is it also fair to someone who did play that much oh, no, to I, get beat by somebody who's like, oh, we don't know. And I'm not saying either. I see but I see both sides because I completely would be in that seven, eight, nine, ten times a year mm-hmm. category if I wasn't working here. Yeah. Um, so I completely feel for that. And that's we've talked about that. We've talked about either making it your best of so many. Right. To, to, to help with that. Um it's but that's that, not that's not going to change the the tournament at the end, though. I yeah. mean, because the if somebody's riding a heater for a couple of weeks, then yes. they're going to yeah. you're going to have somebody run away with it, kind of like you did this year. Yeah, and and that's that, that and that's the other debate is like so the PGA Tour they're an entertainment product and they were doing that with the Tour Championship, the adjusted scores because it made it easier for the consumer, which I actually think is one of the few intelligent things they've done. Now, from a pure golfer standpoint, I don't know if it's right. Does Xander Shoffley get a get it for winning the tournament? Exactly. Does he get a, a prize versus you know the overall? Exactly. Winner. And so with us, what we were trying to do is, again, make it more straightforward so that people the last week, weekend, during the tour championship, knew how they stood. Yeah. So there wasn't, well, if I get in the second place, I'll get X number of points. And if he gets in the fourth place, we wanted to make it to where it was real straightforward. And that, again, might not be the most ideal or fair or... But you know what it is going in. Yes. We've been through a couple of cycles of it. Yeah. I got no qualms yeah. with that. You know, the... I was glad to see participation was up. Yeah. You know, that it that it kind of took hold and we haven't reverted back to kind of the club. And, and maybe that it's... I don't know. I'm, I'd be interested to see what it is going forward. But yeah, there's that tension kind of in the regular season. I love that it's not all you guys do, in my opinion, do a good job of mixing in some alternate events. You know, the red, white, and blues, um, the kind of the tail of two nines events. You know, I, th- I think Justin was lamenting at the end. It's like, I got to get some stroke play events. You're going to need some people to, you know, have some postable scores. Yes. But it, was, it wasn't just like you would see maybe at a club where you've got a, you know, a weekly nine hole. Stableford, and it's the same thing every time on the, the yep. same course. So, um, there's kudos to that. That is is fun, and that's one thing we heavily talked about when we were when we we had as in a complete group. It was not a singular decision. A lot of people think it was, <laughs> but I promise you, there was a lot of open discussion amongst all the managers slash golf professionals at all the city golf courses. You know, because we wanted it to be. We're not saying we're telling you what to do. We want everybody's opinions. And one of the things that was heavily discussed was how many own ball stroke play events, because there was a group that had come back to us that said, we want to be able to post our scores. We want to have our own scores. But then there was other people, and I know, again, from this diabolical thing, there's a large group of people out there who don't want to post their own scores. So who are those people? So, like, if we did that – Again, we want to grow this as, as much as we can, and we'd love to get to 120, mm-hmm. you know, plus players a week. Well, is that by doing stroke play, or is it by mixing up things, doing more team event, team competitions? 
right. again, where's your balance on that? You're trying to, because it's impossible to please everyone. You know, the, the handicaps basically run through the state now, the way yes. they've got it structured. But do you know how, do you remember vaguely, ballpark, how many people kept a handicap, either at Kearney or at the clubs you worked at? It's 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 gone way down than what it really? used to be, yes. Um, and they'll tell you that nationally, that nationally handicaps have gone way down. Even with participation kind of rising? Even with partic- now, 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 maybe in the last year and a half, that's probably trended a little bit. Okay. But they've done so many initiatives for the last four or five, six years nationally at the section level to get more people to do handicaps because a lot of people now aren't having handicaps anymore. Really? Yep. I would, I would not. I know participation was kind of. Tra- that's interesting. But it is, and, and I think they've noticed it in. You know, the participation in individual stroke play events, the city championships have all gone down. Um, The KGA events have gone down from what they used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just a... You're talking Lexington. about like the championship events. Yes. Yeah. yeah, where you play your own golf ball and those things. Things. I think that's why some people have been smart and started to add more team events and more things like that, even at the state level where you never would find that before. Because I do believe there's actually a lot... And I don't believe, I know there's a lot less people that will kind of want to play competitive, you know, PGA Tour kind of golf right. than, than there once was. And so those, and then if you're not playing those, why would you need a handicap, they would say. Right. I'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong, but that's probably where they, they would draw the line and saying, I don't need a handicap, only playing scrambles and with my friends on a weekend. So that desire for someone to keep and maintain a handicap for either tournament purposes or personal purposes where they want to get see if the, how, how they improve mm-hmm. has actually massively gone down. We must be losing gamblers because my, my proudest achievement on my golf trip is I've got me, it's nine of us, and all nine of us have an official USGA handicap yes. now. And it was like pulling teeth to get those well, last three guys to yeah. do it. And it's it's $40. It's not like <laughs> it's not a lot of money. It, it's an app. It, it's it, it, You can do it. You don't have to go and, you know, put one of the fun things I noticed in Scotland, one of some of the clubs, they have the big, kind of looks like a ballot box. And you go and the members sign the scorecard and put it. So some poor pro or assistant pro has got to go through and enter those scores manually and, and old school. None of that now. It's so user-friendly. Oh, that's what I tell people. I've, I've, I've tried to talk to them because, again, one of the requirements in order to play in the AM Tour to be as fair as possible is you have to have a, a handicap. And I've still got – that's the, one of the reasons we still have some people that I know who have played a lot of events that I've put on over the years. And granted, not stroke play, player on ball. They don't feel comfortable. They're like, like it's easy. You literally, right now, the day and time, it's the easiest time you've ever had to be, have a handicap. Yeah. You literally pull your phone out, put it in, you're done. It's not like the old days you got to sit at the computer or worry about the golf pro puts it in mm-hmm. or any of those kind of things. It's so easy now, and it's still not trending that direction, you know. And so we have, that's the, again, that's one of the requirements of the AM Tour. You have to have an official USGA handicap. And we've had, I've had some ball come people go, yeah, I just really don't, I don't, don't want to get a handicap. Interesting. You know, I, I know there's competition there with the grant, you know, some of these other private apps, but even mm-hmm. they're coordinated on the back end now. Like mm-hmm. my guys that have it through the grant because they like the, the app functionality, it's actually tied to some real USGA club geographically that, yeah. that makes sense. Like so, golf houses now. Yeah. Right. Yep. Interesting. You know, we're talking about the leagues and, and kind of the competition here. 
you guys had a big competition this summer. You know, so in 2018, you had the PGA Junior Girls. Girls yep. And then this summer, you brought back, you hosted the PGA Junior Boys. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how that, was that a package deal at the time? Yes. Okay. So it, when, when it was negotiated, which granted, it's been negotiated quite a while ago, and that was before I was actually with the city right. itself, it was kind of a package deal. Um, Kearney used to host a lot of the uh, PGA Junior Series events, and that's kind of a precursor into... I guess, seeing if you're ready for something like that. Okay. And so um, the previous staff that was here had done such a good job and created such a good relationship through those events that the PGA, you know, decided they you know, they thought this would be a good a good host venue for those for that to those tournaments. Well, yeah, it's a tournament course. It was built as a, a senior tour tournament course. So I would assume you've got, other than parking, which you kind of, you know, for a tournament that size, you've got plenty of parking across the street. You've got the infrastructure. Having run one now, having been the the pro on site, what do you know now that you didn't know in the spring, or you didn't know have before? I think it just how much really goes into some of these national high level events, from the infrastructure setups to the things a lot of people necessarily don't think about. I mean, I thought about them, but maybe not even to the level that they did. I mean, the PGA staff themselves was here three weeks in advance. Oh wow! They were up here in this upstairs of the building here. They were set up shop, and there were there was so much stuff to coordinate and do. I mean, you got people coming from all over the country, all over the world. Yeah, coming. this was this was a crazy field as far as diversity of where yes. people were from, and even ages within it. Yes, you know, so it's eighteen and under, right? So you it's had some under. some really young kids, maybe thirteen or fourteen. Yes, there wasn't as many with the boys as there was with the girls. Because okay. we see that you know nationally with the girls, some of the girls would make playing the U.S. Women's Open at thirteen and fourteen. Right. So there was a you know, the, the field probably tended to trended a little younger for the girls than it did for the boys. A lot of the boys were 18, 17, 16, some of them 15, stuff like that, because he was the top, you know, top level boys in the country. Hmm. And for guys, it's going to, you know, most of them are going to be the older boys that did that. But it was it was quite an impressive show. And again, the biggest thing for me was I guess the two things that I took away from it was the detailed infrastructure, the 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 planning, the organizing, the implementing of a championship like that um, from volunteers, which you did, right. um, organizing all those volunteers and the shifts and then all, our staff and then EMS and police and that's the thing that, COVID this year. <laughs> right. In the middle of, of on the back end of the or in the middle of the COVID that, yeah, the thing that cracks me up a little bit is you and I, I volunteered at the Barbasol the first year it was here down at, at Champions. And the thing that I, I kind of wrap my head around, kind of chuckle at, is you do all that preparation and all that blood, sweat, and tears and planning, and the whole thing's dependent on volunteers showing up and a weather report. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, how did you? How did I know what the volunteer retention rate looked like in bad weather at the pro tournament? How did you guys do? It actually wasn't too bad. Okay. Um, we did have a very difficult time with volunteers because we overlapped the Barbasol. Yeah. So our the event ended here on a, on Thursday. It was Saturday Sunday practice round, and then Monday through Thursday was the days of the tournament. Well, the first day practice round of the Barbasol was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And you had the pro am. Yeah. Yes, and they had. 600 volunteers. Oh, wow. So you take the base away that's going to be willing to volunteer, can volunteer. We did some pretty clever things with some of our local high school teams in order to help with that. Okay. It still wasn't as 
didn't go as well as I'd hoped it would, but it was still enough. But no, actually, once we kind of had them on there, we actually had a pretty good luck with with them actually coming that day. We only had a, we actually probably only had a handful that didn't come. That's really good. Yes, That's a much higher batting percentage than yeah, what you got down the street. And I know all those guys over there at Champions pretty well. I'm you know worked with several of those guys before, and I've heard the stories. It's uh, yeah, but, quite a bit different. By, by the weekend, you know, you're getting people asking people to work extra shifts, and and you're yeah, it's. Well, I'm glad. So it was success as far as you know. The feedback's been positive. From yes. So PGA. so when they so when they left and when they were here at the end, we got a lot of high praise for them. Good. They were very very. Uh, I think we exceeded their expectations. Um, they know, you know, we're not a, you know, it's a public facility. It's a public facility during COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, some of the you know, taxpayer dollars have been cut back and right. stuff like that. And they were, I think they were very impressed with what the staff did okay. with what they had, because very little did they have to like ask us anything specific to do that. We got a lot of positive feedback on the way our staff did, the way the golf course looked, the way everything was handled. Uh, they were very happy. The fact that me and the other city golf pros were out here till well, I was here till about 1230. And then we had a couple other city golf pros and superintendents that actually stayed about three or four o'clock in the morning pumping bunkers. Yeah, because we had some that night. Yeah, water over those first couple of days. Those and, storms were, were rough, and they were over the moon with that. They're like, we don't. We go to some high end places and they won't do stuff like that, you know. So I think we we really exceeded their expectations. They were very happy with, you know, the way we did things. And I don't think people understand. You know, the the Barbasol they've pulled in superintendents and a super a, you know assistant superintendents from the entire region, all yes. over the state, come in and give their time yes not not the, i don't know that the pga junior boys really has that kind of pull within the, <laughs> the no. industry it did not um it's we did ask some people and again they were also committed to barbasol so that 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 overlap did kind of hurt us on it but it didn't hurt us if that makes any sense okay it it was maybe from the outs or from the inside looked like it was a slight but the golf course didn't show because we one luckily thing we have is again with five city golf courses we do have staff mm-hmm. that it, the golf course wouldn't have that we did have some of those we, we we got a lot of help from our other golf pros and superintendents within the city which i'm very thankful for um that i don't know that if we could have done the job especially on the golf course right. itself i jokingly say which they don't want to hear this we say this now but i said as long as the golf course looks decent i can fake this <laughs> I can fake the pro shop, and I can. Right. I've done this long enough where even a high-level event like that, if I'm one or two people short off, make it work. Okay. They're not going to know. But the golf course, you can't fake. Right. With that and many players and high-level, yeah. You cannot fake that. And without their help, I don't know that it would have been as good as it could have been. I mean, the, the grounds crew here did a fantastic job leading up. I mean, just like everybody else that's having trouble now, you know, the city has requirements on what we can pay staff mm-hmm. and part-time staff. And then when it's below what the industry's standard yeah. is. If the course up the street, the privately owned course up the street can tempt them with a few more dollars an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I mean, th- those people don't care that we're hosting this golf tournament. <laughs> they don't. They're, they're caring about their family and their pay and stuff like that. And so if you're offering several dollars less an hour, they're going to go up the street. Mm-hmm. So we, even with staffing troubles uh, on maintenance, but again, myself and some of the other golf guys spent a lot of golf time on the golf course. I personally edged about half the bunkers on the golf course. I saw that. I can attest to that. <laughs> yes. Um, and as well as a lot of the pro shop staff and stuff like that. And it was a big team effort. And I think it went, I mean, I'm glad I Love to have it. I was glad it was over. <laughs> <laughs> glad they glad they came. Glad it's glad, over. Glad it was over. But I tell you what, it was a pretty. And it, but the other big thing that I got from that is, I know how good these guys are. 
But when you see them in person... It's like a bunch of little pros. Oh, it was... They all miss in the same spot, in the safe spot. They all... Their swings... I mean, it hurts. My back hurts just watching them. Yeah. But they make it look easy. And I know somebody listening to this may not understand how, how long our driving range is, but we basically save the entire back half of the grass. Again, when this golf course was built in 1989, the golf ball did not fly as it does now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already knew we were going to have trouble with losing golf balls um, from, the, we, from the average some of these boys hit it. But... Were they putting it on eight? Yeah. Really? So during play, we actually had to tell the players on the range to aim into the tall grass away from eight green because they were hitting it up on eight green, which is, I think we calculated as like a 290 carry. Uphill. Uphill. Oh, man. Um, I sat there and watched one of the players hit irons from the back of there into the tall grass. <laughs> That's a game with which I'm unfamiliar, Chris. And... <laughs> And for the tournament, typically our third hole out here is a par five. And we had talked to them in advance. Just me and Justin were really big on this when they first came for their big first meeting. And we're like, you guys have to play three as a par four. Yeah. It's a, it's not a par five on a normal day. We just It's a par five just because it's good. It's, it's, it's a par, par four and a half. And so is the hole for the normal everyday hack. The three next is a four and a half. And so is the par four next hole. So yes. it's a nice little balance. And they really said, they said that they kind of had gotten into a thing of they'd rather see more birdies and eagles and things like that. And they kind of learned their, they said they wanted to, but they kind of eventually gave in. And we're like, listen, you have to understand. I believe there was 67 or 68 birdies in four days. That was one of my holes that I kept score on. And if they would have been, if that would have been a par five, that's 67 or 68 eagles. Nobody was laying up. No. If, if somebody, I mean, somebody blew one right into the pond. Okay. You go down there and you take your drop, but there was nobody laying up. No. It's a par four for them. In a practice round, I sat there and watched one of the kids. And he literally has a foot in the rough on the back tee box. He hits it. I'm like, wow, where did that go? I rolled up there, and on a par five, he had 120 yards in. <laughs> and this was from the very back tee. Not, not linksy dry condition. No. Not in the summer round. I love no. this golf course because it's a four season golf course. But there's a lot of bent grass. You got to keep. You got to put gotta water on to keep it alive. So. Yeah. But, but witnessing the skill level, I was kind of on the ball debate about, eh, whatever, just let it be. I think high-level golf, I would leave amateur golf alone. Let's make it as easy as we can for them. Mm-hmm. They're making a mockery of, of golf courses. I so, mean, so are you team take the ball backwards or team? I'm starting to come around to, you know what, let's make that driver head a little smaller. I think that would do it, but they just hit their eight iron 100, 200 yards straight up in the air because of the way the ball flies. That's true. And there's almost no pin locations that you can hide. From these, from these people anymore. It takes away the shot values and things like that. I know people get bored with that and stuff like that. But just what these boys did to this golf course, I mean, this again, I look at some of the senior tour scores from back in the 90s when this thing was there. It wasn't an easy golf course. No. It's Pete and PB die. But I now mean, you put those high-level players, and I don't care if you – they literally played the entire golf course almost a foot in the rough on the back tee box. And three-quarters of the field was way under par. Yeah, it was an under-par cut. You know, I, I remember it was you or Justin that said, you you know, as far as the quality of player, you saw every Power 5 men's yes. – somebody from the staff of every Power 5 court college. Was here, yes. And a lot of the smaller colleges, too. Yes, Just and watching, I know why. watching their players or hoping – maybe hoping they don't go pro. <laughs> you know, the one or two guys don't try to make a go of it on a uh, – try to qualify for the Corn Ferry or McKenzie or something. Last 
last uh, day of the practice round, we did a, we thought it'd be fun to do a long drive contest, and we gave away a prize of a customized Louisville Slugger back to the winner. We thought it'd be fun things. We did our 14th hole, our par five down the hill here, and we didn't even record them if they hit it under 300. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many that, and by the way, it was wet and the wind was in our face the last practice. Yeah, the day. prevailing wind is in your face on in that hole. In your face on that hole. And if they didn't, they were carrying it over 300 yards. We had a flight scope track man, whichever one it was, we had set up on TV and everything. And we weren't even marking them down if they didn't hit it over 300 because <laughs> there was literally, you know, 30, 40 people that hit it over 300 yards in the air into the wind and the ball was not rolling. It literally would hit almost yeah. stop. Yeah, that's fun to see when you get to play with somebody like that. Oh, it's just, it was so impressive. And, they, and the, what is it? But, but let me ask you yeah. this. <laughs> it's so impressive, but by that 25th or 30th kid, was it still that impressive? Yeah, just because I've seen so much golf. And it's just like, I think that's a big thing that I think a lot of people don't understand, too, is I knew how good good players are. And... There's just such a – the gap now between your scratch, good uh, home course player mm-hmm. and the best players in the world, the chasm is so great more than it used to be 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is the ball speed and the way they hit – they can, they can attack these golf courses that – you know, you used to have to feather a two iron and try to cut it into this green to hold a green, and now they're hitting an eight iron. And Yeah, what's the longest iron those kids have? Five iron? Yeah. You know – yeah, that's a whole. We can go way down that. Yeah, we don't. Let's, we not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But I, I was not really on that thing fence until almost now. I think because I think a, a ball that travels a less maybe spins more. I've heard the spin more because then it would be go offline right. a little bit more. Side spin. Yeah. Did you see? Does that same dichotomy apply with what you saw from the the junior women, the the girls when they were here? Yes, lengthwise, yes, they're pretty impressive. But what's even really impressive with them is just how straight they, they hit don't the miss. golf ball. It's unreal. It's unreal. We literally had so we have a we had a cut through through the rough on the first hole, and at the end of the tournament, fifty yards up in the fairway was burnt out because their push carts. They had all walked up the dead middle of the fairway <laughs> with their push carts. The grass was almost dead, and not like right as you enter the fairway. Right. Fifty, sixty yards up into the fairway was still almost dead because of all their push carts. They got straight up the middle of the first. And these are predominantly high school players. Yes. <laughs> that, it's interesting because I hadn't. I don't. I don't have the personal exposure to that. I'm. I'm a dad of sons, but I'm yes. always interested in what the dads of of what girl dads yes. are seeing in the game, and if there's that that same division. What is? What do you have on deck? I know you've got. Did I see that you've got a Kentucky? Open or Kentucky Amateur coming to the course in the so future? We, so this coming year, confirmed we have the uh, – we're hosting the US Open Qualifier again, okay. which we've hosted here many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have that out here in May. Um, we are uh, hosting the Senior Am this year. We will have the Senior Am in 22. Cool. This coming year. Um, this, the plan is still for us to have the Kentucky Am in 23. Okay. That has not been like put down on books, finalized, but it's in the plan. Right. Um, a couple years ago, um, Golf House started kind of kind of planning ahead, so they've kind of built almost a ten-year plan with a lot of people. people Which that, is the industry trend? You see the yes. USGA doing that. Yes. And so we've kind of talked about some having you know opens and things like that, maybe down the line, um, kind of spreading it out every couple of years and stuff like that. But right. we're, we have so, and then amongst that, just we're, we host a lot of you know state and local. 
A lot of junior stuff, too, out here, right? A lot right? of junior stuff. Um, we're currently in the process of finalizing a uh, kind of a partnership with a junior deal that will kind of work with the city golf okay. tournament that we've already do and something that's kind of already been done. Um, we're working on that partnership right now. Um, amongst a lot of other things. We have a lot of junior events out here. We have a lot of a lot of corporate outings, a lot of... Right, yes. which is where you, you make some money, which you didn't in 2020. Does a number... This just popped in my head. Does Kearney eat up most of the tournament oxygen kind of within the city? Yes. Like, okay. Well, I should say from outside sources. Okay. Um, within the city, again, with the AM tour, we, we rotate. Right, but as it far as bringing in junior tour yes. events yes. Or, or state level, you know, U.S. Open quality, I know Lakeside is long enough to hold yes. qualifiers and yes. has. Okay, but... Yeah, there's no, not a lot of other than high school tournaments going to Pickadome or Gates yeah. Creek. They do have some. There's some junior events that do go to like Pickadome and Lakeside, and and actually that's kind of growing more and more each year. Um, I think they like the partnership with us, okay. and so I've noticed more and more we are hosting more events at Tates Creek and Lakeside and Pickadome than we have in the past. And I think it's all about the relationship we have with the KGA. Okay. Um, and um, you know, same thing kind of with the U.S. Open qualifier. Again, I don't know if behind the scenes baseball. I don't know how much somebody wants you to know this, but we actually don't generate revenue off the U.S. Open qualifier. Right. Yeah, that's a just a showcase. Yes. Kind of a donation to the industry. And so to some people, that's like, well, we can't do that because I can't give up the golf course for essentially two days. Um, but through the partnership we have with Golf House Kentucky and things like that, you know, besides the fact that we're honored to host things like that, it's also like, okay, you do, we'll do this for you because we have a good partnership over here. We kind of keep working together. Gotcha. Um. Chris is fantastic. He's at a premier public facility and tries to make sure that everybody enjoys a premium experience from the scratch player all the way on down to the beginner, which we discuss in detail in our next episode. Hey, until then, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review for the show. Each time somebody leaves a five-star rating and review for this podcast, the frost delay that I'm desperately trying to wait out gets a full two minutes shorter. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't enjoy it, whoopsies, my bad. I'll try to do better next time. And I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. But until then, stay safe, be smart, embrace high-visibility golf ball season, And as always, when you have the choice, do decide to go for it and take dead aim.